Hi there, you're listening to In-Depth Film, a podcast dedicated to everything cinema. My name is Greg Bucker, and I am one of the hosts, and joined with me is my good friend and collaborator and co-host, Gray Kotzer. Cool, thanks Greg. Um, so you may know me from my YouTube channel, In-Depth Cine, and uh, myself and Greg, we've been living together for quite a while. We've known each other since university, right? Yeah, well, actually, no, since high school. Since high school, of yeah, course. Yeah, we played rugby together for years, basically five years. And while we weren't friends in high school, we certainly spent a lot of time together on the rugby field. Uh, we, I think we had a few classes together, um, but we only really became friends when we studied film together at university. That's right, yeah. And then that relationship sort of blossomed there a bit when we started working together and you were doing most of the directing. I was shooting some of your stuff, yeah. short films, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, from there, our creative relationship, I guess, started to blossom. Yeah, and I guess uh, there, was a, there was a fundamental shift as well, at least I felt it when uh, you know, we f- had finished film school, I went off into the industry to do some work and you went off to Thailand and then we you know, kind of uh, serendipitously found our way to back together in Japan where we ended up making our first feature. And I just remember thinking in Japan, you know, after we'd met up that, I don't know, it just felt like there was something different, like we were kind of destined to maybe walk this road together, you know? Yes, and then we took this step to make our first independent feature film, which is a bit of a story in and of itself. Yeah, we can actually do a podcast. A separate podcast just dedicated to that. Maybe a few podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, there are plenty of stories from that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but that sort of boosted our our filmmaking uh, sort of collaboration even further. Yeah. And we took it from there. So today, uh, we're just going to start off... Uh, by talking about a film we saw yesterday, right? Yes, that's that's true. But before we get into that, Gray, I just thought, yeah. why don't we quickly give like a, um, you know, a very quick introduction to ourselves, kind of like a 60-second, you know, history, uh, personal history. Sure. Just so that the audience, you know, any time, if there are any, for example, uh, if there are any first-time listeners or um, because I'm sure people will come here from your channel, but there also might be people who just find us out of the blue. Sure. So I'm Gray Kotzer. Uh, I work in the local South African film industry. I work as a second AC, which is a camera assistant on TV commercials, feature films, TV series, that kind of work. And I also work as a DP on uh, all kinds of jobs, a lot of uh, documentary content. And you'll probably, if anyone knows me, it's probably from my in-depth cine channel, uh, which is a channel dedicated to breaking down aspects of cinematography and related to cinematography education. Hmm. Nice. And I think it's also just worth mentioning, sorry, I'm a sucker for these details myself. So it's also worth mentioning that Grace from Cape Town, South Africa. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, which is the same for me. I'm from Cape Town as well. Um, And... I studied film with Gray, specialized in directing uh, and writing. Um, my, my passion at university was to, you know, make uh, cerebral, interesting films that were kind of going against the grain of what a lot of our uh, peers at the time were trying to make. They were trying to make genre pieces. And I was really just interested in, you know, kind of emotional, uh, constrained cinema 
um, which is something that Gray and I, passionate Gray and I, both share. Um, and then, yeah, after after university, I went into the film industry for about six months. Had a whirlwind experience working on a feature film, um, mm. and got spat out. And found my way to Tokyo. We made the feature film in Tokyo. I returned and then actually got involved in the design world, which in turn led me to animation. Uh, so while I haven't worked in the live action film industry for a number of years, uh, I still uh, keep up with it. Very passionate about it. Still write a great deal. And uh, but my but my primary work now is in the field of animation. Um, and yeah, I've, for the last year I've been working on a documentary. And I actually, I actually handed my last shot for that documentary today. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. I know it's been quite a long process um, yeah. with that. Yeah. It's important that you mentioned we both very much interested in, I guess, the art of film and the yeah. art of yeah. considered filmmaking. Yeah. I think, you know, like for years we kind of watched this YouTube revolution unfolds from the sidelines. Mm. And, um, you know, we were both kind of had our head in our hands thinking, God, here goes this beautiful, you know, art form that we love, cinema. But, yeah, maybe you can speak a bit about this recent realization we've had that maybe, ironically, we are now in a position where we can kind of bring that that passion for cinema back through YouTube, you know? Yeah, well, that's been a bit of the irony. Whereas in the beginning, I was sort of, I guess off put a little by YouTube or at least the idea that the content on there had to be quite silly and not very serious. But there was, I guess, a recent realization that why not approach it seriously and, and try to provide the kind of information to people that I would have appreciated the first time I was on a set uh, yes. where I knew nothing. Yes. Um, and share some of that knowledge, which is not to say that Either of us are, are oracles of cinema, um, but speak, it's just speak, speak for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just to say that uh, it's something we're both passionate about, and yeah, would really like to share with an audience. And if anyone can get anything out of it, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, I just want to um, speak to that for for a moment. I think I think what you're saying is so important because uh, we live in a world that's very ironic. We live in a world that kind of celebrate silliness and humor and comedy and I think, which is valid yeah with, look there's a place for that mm. but i think what you and i both share is a passion for ser- serious sincere filmmaking serious sincere storytelling that transcends the everyday experience of reality it, it transcends irony and it's it's genuinely trying to say something meaningful and and I think that what this podcast could potentially offer is a space that treats cinema seriously in that way, that, that, that regard, that holds it in such high esteem, you know, exactly. Be- because, uh, yeah, like, like, like I've just said, you know, there's a lot of silliness out there. We see that on YouTube today. We see a lot of podcasts that are very jokey, very silly, very kind of all over the place sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just want to listen to a podcast that's hones in on the topic and, um, and, and treats it, yeah, with, with respect. Yeah. Which sort of brings us, I guess, to the film that we went to go see last night in the cinema. Yeah. Uh, which is Tenet by Christopher Nolan, who I think we'd both agree is a director who tends to treat cinema very seriously and 
tends to treat the subject matter that he deals with in quite a serious and mature manner. He, he treats his audience, <laughs> I think uh, definitely after watching Tenant, we could say he treats his audience, uh, he sort of holds them in a high regard, I, I think. He doesn't yes. spoon feed them anything, that's for sure. Yeah, if anything, he actually challenges the audience. He yeah. actually expects sometimes maybe too much from the it, audience. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> In Tenet, I think that was, you know, one can make a case. Excuse me, i got to put my phone on something. And he's, he's usually very good at, I think, pushing the audience to their limit. Yeah. In, in the sense that you usually come out of a Nolan film being challenged and having an understanding of the film, but perhaps thinking, you know, I, I want to go and rewatch that film so I can better understand the film. Right. But I, I would say getting straight into Tenant, one of my criticisms was that maybe he pushed that a bit far <laughs> in his Great. recent film. Great. Before I really want to get into this, man, but before we get into it, can I just uh, establish a, a little bit of a, a context here. Sure. So basically, Tenet is a 2020 action thriller spy film written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Um, and it was produced alongside his uh, wife, Emma Thomas. It's a co-production between the United Kingdom and the United States. It stars John David Washington, uh, who is actually the son of Denzel Washington, in case you didn't know. Uh, it stars Robert Patterson, Elizabeth Debicki, uh, Dimple Campadia, Michael Caine, and Kenneth Branagh. And I think there's also Aaron Johnson in there. I think that's his name, that, that army soldier. With the beard. Yes, yes. Uh, the plot follows a secret agent, played by Washington, as he manipulates the flow of time to prevent World War III. That's the basic uh, yeah. synopsis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, the film itself is not that straightforward. <laughs> So yeah, great. Uh, let's 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 get into detail here. What exactly about the film didn't sit well with you? Because that that sounds like a great plot. Yes. Um, but our when we walked out of the cinema, we were quite complex, quite perplexed. Yes. Um, well, I I think with most Nolan films, I I usually sort of walk in there and expect to be led by an experienced filmmaker. He, he's the kind of guy where you always feel like he's in control of the film totally. And you're sort of happy to be led by him with the expectation that by the end of the film, you'll have a better understanding of the overall, uh, a better, a better understanding of the overall plot of the film and the overall sense of what he was trying to achieve. Mm. Um, but with this film, I personally just felt at times the plot was so dense Con and convoluted very convoluted, very dense, that at times it just became difficult to appreciate the film because I, I, at least I was struggling so hard to just work out and what was going on half yeah. the time. Yeah, I think that you and I both share a similar view, which is slightly more negative, let's say, mm. you know. But so before we get into the criticism you know proper well we can let's, go over some of the positive yeah, sides let, let's yeah. maybe just talk about a bit of the a bit of the positive side yeah uh, personally i think what i took away from it was uh I, I you know i was once again reminded of nolan's incredible talent and his ability to craft these these feats of spectacle totally. which which very few filmmakers can pull off and i love his dedication to practical in-camera effects yeah uh, you you can feel it you, it's a totally different feeling to a marvel movie or a green screen film you really can um, especially in today's environment where so much of it is done in vfx 
when you when you do implement practical effects into a film, you really can feel that difference, that yeah. marked difference. Yeah. And I also think that I I just love his his passion for um for diversity in the healthy sense. I think diversity can sometimes be, uh, for me personally, a very frustrating thing in cinema because it sometimes feels like there's a political agenda and when you're just watching art, you don't want to feel like politics is involved. But somehow, if you think about Inception, if you think about a number of his films, he's he's got a really effortless way of kind of bringing in characters of different races, different backgrounds together to tell these really interesting stories. Like, again, if you think of Inception, you know, you've got a great diverse set of characters there and it works. It doesn't feel like you're being hit on the head with anything political. Well, well, that's um, one aspect I liked about the film was the casting. Yeah. I thought the casting was very strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Washington is incredible. He's been in a lot of good movies. Yeah. I think he's got a super promising career ahead of him. Yeah, especially after this movie. Yeah. Th- this will do a lot for him. Yeah. Um, and one, one of the biggest things I took away from this in a positive sense uh, was, as you mentioned, these these set pieces, these large action set pieces. Mm. Like very few directors are able to tell these kind of large Hollywood set pieces in such an enthralling and captivating way as he does. Yes. Like you, there really are these mo- moments in the film where you sort of sit back in your seat while you're watching them and almost... It's a cliche, but you're almost gasping at the yeah. at the scope of it yes. and at the at these incredible large stunt sequences. So I think what it, what, what the film lacks in let's say um, coherence. I mean, obviously, or I think this is something I just want to make very clear: is obviously the film the story does make sense. Like if you were to speak to Nolan, he could probably explain the story to you very well. And knowing Nolan and knowing how smart he is. You know, he doesn't just go make a film that doesn't make sense. So the film, while the film has a story which is certainly interesting, um, I think that the, the problem is that the way that that was communicated, um, at least, you know, on first impression, uh, on a first impression basis, uh, that it wasn't so effective. Um, like you've said, it, it felt convoluted. It felt very rushed in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it felt like we were never really given a time to, any time to breathe, to relax with the characters. We weren't really given much emotional, um, uh, uh, let's say, we weren't given an insight into the emotional background of the main character or, or his motivation. We were kind of just being pulled sort of relentlessly through this incredibly action-packed um breakneck story i totally agree and yeah that comes back to one of my criticisms for the film which i guess is a pacing issue for me i i think because the i guess the goal of the film was like a lot of spy films you sort of try and make it very intense and try and keep up an an incredible pacing throughout but even if you look at some james bond films or bigger films that this to an extent is modeled on there are always moments in those films where you come down and there's a, there's a slowing down of pace and there's a conversation between characters and mm. lets the audience breathe a little bit. Yeah. Cause I, I often look at pacing as almost similar to the way we breathe and quick cuts and fast pacing is almost as if you hyperventilating, I feel like. Interesting. 
And so there are moments where you can't hyperventilate for two hours, two and a half hours, however long it is. You do need moments where you have to sit back and breathe deeply and take a moment to compose yourself before that frenetic action kicks in again. Yeah. And for me, it felt like the, the pace was just too much and too quick. And we never, we never had a chance to really slow down and take in the story. And that affected the plot because. As we say, with a very dense plot like this, you need moments where we can, we as an audience can sit back and say, okay, now I understand the setup. Now I'm ready for everything that's going to take place from here on out. Yeah. And for me, that, that never happened. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think where I personally wanted to see more breathing room was in, in the setup. Yes. I felt like there was very little time given to establish the relationships between characters to establish again the, the the motivation the backgrounds the history and and i know that it's a bit of a meme to kind of constantly refer to inception you know as a bit of a hallmark but but inception whether we like it or not is a great film and i think that for a lot of nolan fans and people who are familiar with his work they were expecting a similar kind of experience not mm. the same type, type of film yeah maybe obviously a different film but a similar type of satisfaction. It was where, modeled in a similar tone. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. can see that. And, but yeah. but where Inse- what Inception got right was that it, it gave us this wonderful period of um, breathing space. And, um, and it gave us an opportunity to connect with characters, to um, get, become familiar with Cobb's team. You know? And then when the mission started kicking off, everything was in place for the audience to be emotionally connected and, and invested. But I just felt like with this film, it really stretched us. It, 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 every time it took this story to a next level, I thought something's missing. I, I'm not, I'm like, I'm entertained on some level because this is very spectacular. Yeah, yeah, but, totally. but my heart isn't necessarily in this. Mm. Um, and again, Christopher Nolan can, can say, you know, what, what he wants. But at the end of the day, um, uh, I think you've got to come to any, every filmmaker has to come to terms with the fact that the, the way the audience experiences a movie is, is really critical. You know, it doesn't matter how good you think the script is. If your audience is not reading it properly or mm-hmm. if your audience is not um, following you in the way that you intended, something's off. Yeah. And, and I, and I suspect that in, in the weeks, months, maybe years to come, Look, the, the film could either age well, but I also have a suspicion that people will increasingly say that this is this was a bit of Nolan kind of dropped the ball here a little bit. Mm. And look, that's just my impression at the moment. That could change. Though. That could change. Yeah. And look, I I always admire filmmakers that are bold and that try to tell big stories. Yeah. Because I I think a lot of the time with a lot of the movies that are coming out now, a lot of it is quite safe storytelling. Uh, especially within the studio system. So I do admire directors that are, that come forward and try to tell bold at times, complex stories. There's definitely a place for that. But as we say, those stories then just have to be set up properly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and then they'll, it it would have been far more successful. Yeah. I I think something I, I did really like about it though, was the, the music. Um, Yeah. I love the music. music. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I thought it worked really well at certain beats. It, it was quite a heavy, heavy soundtrack. So the, the music was by Ludwig uh, Goransson. Mm, yeah. yeah, he's done quite a few scores. Um, yeah, very talented musician. Um, so he actually took over from Hans Zimmer, I believe, who is Nolan's regular and who is meant to um, score this film. But I believe... As far as I know, there was a scheduling conflict. Okay. Um, and and he took over. Yeah, um, yeah. He, I, I thought he did a great job. Yeah. yeah, he's done films like Fruitvale Station, um, Creed, Creed Two, Venom, Black Panther, and also The Mandalorian. Yeah, um, and is also a music producer in his own right as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think though that does bring us to an issue that we both experienced, which has been a. Re- I guess you could say a recurring issue or a recurring point of discussion, at least in Nolan's films, is the sound mix. What did you think about that? Yeah. So I think that, you know, everyone responds differently to movies. Mm. You know, some people hear things, some people don't. Uh, but what seems clear is that our impression when we left the cinema that, that the sound was um, slightly off. Is, a, is an opinion that's actually shared by multiple people. Well, exactly. Uh, we, we weren't sure when we left the cinema, cinema if it was just the specific cinema we were in. Yes. Um, yeah. Where maybe the acoustics weren't quite, quite and, right or they hadn't set the audio mix quite right. Yeah. And, and what I kept wondering as well was, you know, is it just me? Am I having problems with these accents? Am I having problems... Uh, picking up the the words, the the actual dialogue. I mean, for example, that there's a character played by Aaron Johnson who plays a something of an army captain. Hmm. Great character, really great look. He's got a great, um, you know, he's got a great uh, weight in the film. I love yeah. his kind of uh, screen presence. Yes. Um, but to be honest, there were many moments where I genuinely had no idea what he was saying because yeah. it was thick accent, thick accent, and, and you combine that. With and he was wearing a mask at times. He was wearing a mask, you know, and which which makes you think about the Dark Knight Rises, and it just it, that's what that's what people have been saying in some of these reviews. Like it, it, it can't be a coincidence. There's something going on in the sounding sound mix studio of Nolan's films that's that's not right. Well, I um, I think. For me, what it is, and maybe what he's trying to do, is to create a really immersive, immersive experience by, be, by yeah. mixing all the environmental sounds very loud and the music very loud, um, and which, which totally works. But where it doesn't work is where, you, again, you have a very clear plot and you need to be fed certain information. Particularly a plot like Tenet's plot. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if ever there's a plot where you need to hear the dialogue, yes. it's Tenet. Yes. Yeah, and, and and I think that's the point. It's it's look like you say if if a, if a if a filmmaker wants to be creative with the audio mix, by all means go ahead. But when it comes to a film like Tenet, which demands absolute attention from the audience, and uh, yeah, I mean you, you you can't allow lines, particularly. I mean, I I had the sense that there were there was there was a there was a particular point when they were talking about inversion. It was when it was when they. We're entering that machine, that yes. inverted time, that kind of cylindrical, big rotating machine. Rotating machine. machine. Mm. It was a beautiful sequence of events, that, that period, right? And very dramatic with Kenneth Branagh coming in and out there, you know. Um, but, but the problem was the captain there, Aaron Johnson's character, when he was explaining things, I honestly, honestly could not follow him. Yeah. And, and I just thought that that was, a, that was such a fumble because here you have this sort of 
critical piece of machinery in the film which allows them to invert time yes and we're missing the dialogue where yeah. we can't actually follow along yeah and again it comes down to the setup we need to understand how this setup works in order for the the final act to pay off really yeah because um, yeah. if we don't understand the setup then it's kind of all for nothing yeah you know? yeah anyway something else i i quite enjoyed the cinematography in the film i wasn't i have to say i wasn't blown away by it but i thought it was very solid it was like a lot of the cinematography in other nolan films so it was shot by hoyte van hoytema they shot it in large format film um so it had a very fine grain um beautiful color to it um but it was quite i guess deliberately i would almost describe it as quite plain and quite everyday um the production design was very normal it wasn't too stylized it was quite realistic in a sense yeah yeah lighting it, it, was very natural l- like any great spy movie you mm-hmm. know it's not trying to be too much it's trying to actually be gritty and real yes um and i guess it was successful in in that regard cuz it was trying to serve the story by being gritty and real and and not distracting at all from what is happening on screen. I I think what one of the things I appreciated from the cinematography was just the, the sense of um a grandeur and scope which yeah. I, which 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 is always a nice aspect to a great a spy film. There's a sense that you're dealing in a world of great wealth, great consequence. You're dealing in a world with big characters, big money. Mm. And uh you know with this beautiful shots of that super yacht Yeah. These beautiful shots of these beautiful the, helicopter shots. Yeah, the yeah. stunning helicopter shots in the mountains with these gigantic, you know, uh, helicopters with double, you know, dual propellers. Um yeah. I think that Nolan has a has a great ability to to really create this awe-inspiring sense of scale and and grandeur. Yeah. He re- he really and I think he's following in the, in the tradition of the blockbuster films he grew up on. Yes. Where 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 they really they took the average person from any small neighborhood mm. and they revealed this huge world yeah. that that you could only experience in a movie yeah and you when know? you're dealing with this kind of budget i do like the fact that they used quite traditional established film technology yeah. so all those overhead shots were shot clearly on a helicopter with a helicopter not with a drone yes. and you you really can feel it oh, you, you 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 get a sense of movement from a helicopter that you just can't get with a drone Um so I love that they made those kind of decisions um as well. It yeah. really it really added to the big sort of blockbuster effect of the film. Right. Yeah. Great. Why don't we start wrapping up? Sure. Uh I think to conclude I just want to say that while we both share our, you know, criticisms and concerns with the film, uh personally I as a filmmaker myself, I also understand that not every film will be perfect. and that we as viewers need to respect the fact that it's very much uh an experiment uh part of Christopher Nolan's own personal filmmaking journey yeah and that while it's frustrating maybe to not hear a dialogue here or not understand the plot there um we've also got to understand that you know this is an artist and he's trying new things he's pushing boundaries and he's trying to figure things out and mm-hmm. um And I think it's cool that 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 we live in a world where someone like Nolan has the freedom and the budget to really let their imagination run wild. I mean, we we live in a uh imagine if imagine for example like so many filmmakers out there he wasn't able to do this. You know, yeah. the, the world would be kind of a little deficient because I think we we 
we get a lot out of his imagination. Yeah. And in a world really of Marvel movies and sequels and yes, yes. And that's where all the big budget films are structured around a traditional model based on how much money they can make. It really is refreshing to see original content. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll always appreciate filmmakers who are trying to produce big budget, large scale original content. And I'll yeah. always support that filmmaking. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge that it's arguably one of the most difficult things you can do in filmmaking is to create original blockbusters. You know, mm. how, on earth, how on earth he pulls it off and he continues to pull it off. It's yeah. still beyond me. Um, so yes, despite the, despite the problems with sound, despite the convoluted plot and the lack of breathing space, uh, I personally loved the grandeur, the scale, the beautiful visuals. I also really appreciated the performances, even though I don't think the characters were set up in the optimal way. Yes. I really enjoyed watching Robert Patterson interact with Washington. They played off each other yeah. quite nicely. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought there were some great little characters like that um, uh, guy who crashed the plane. Yes. I, I would have I loved to have gotten to know him a bit, a bit more. more. Backstory. Yeah, um, but... I, I thought Kenneth Branagh was a very convincing bad guy. He was really good. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed his yeah. performance. You know, often with these bad guys, they can be a bit uh, conventional and a bit dry because they've been done so much. The sort of the classic Russian evil baddie. Yes. But I just felt like Nolan went, really went... Um, went far in um, trying to communicate to the audience that this guy's emotional background and and his and his motivation yeah which was basically that you know he he was he was had, he'd experienced this trauma growing up his ta- his hometown had been destroyed mm-hmm. and as a result he was very bitter and didn't want to really share any of his wealth and you know wanted to see the world go down with him yes uh, in yes. a nutshell yeah um, and uh, let's see and then yeah I think as well that I, I also just I also liked, in in a strange way, I kind of enjoyed the the feeling of not necessarily knowing what was going on. I don't think that I don't think that cinema is something that we should expect to always understand. I think that it can it's it the, the experience of watching Tenet and being confused in and of itself is an experience. It's an experience exactly, and and it'll take another viewing, I think, for the story to to set in, and maybe that's kind of. The point with Nolan's work That's is part of the process, maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah, it's maybe for the it's, audience maybe as well. Yeah. And look, we can argue all day about you know whether that's right or wrong. Mm. But the bottom line is, it seems like that's just the reality of this latest film. It's yeah. something that demands a second viewing, yeah. and it's something that's definitely demands your full attention. Mm. And while it does have its 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 faults for me, um, I'm a big fan of Nolan, and I believe in him, and I trust that he will that his next film will will hopefully make up for the, the problems that, that, that we've experienced with this film. Totally, I'm sure he will. Cool. So to round it out, maybe we should talk uh, just very briefly about what we're planning on doing with this, this podcast. So I think in the future, we're going to try and um, do these more regularly where we talk about uh, everything that's both from a personal point of view as well as from a movie point of view, perhaps movies we've seen recently yeah. and reflect on them. Yeah, so my, my idea is that we, we, we talk about films we've just watched. We talk about videos that you or I are making. Mm. So, for example, right now, I think you're putting together a video on um, Sean Bobbitt, Sean Bobbitt yeah. right? The cinematographer. Mm. Um, and uh, I've, I'm just wrapping up a documentary. I'm going to start uh, producing the films for In-Depth Annie. Um, and so, yeah, we will have conversations about films that we've watched, films, the films we're making for our channels, 
We can also talk about books that we've read or articles we've read and really just anything related to, to film. And the art of cinema. And the art of cinema, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Greg. Cool. Thanks, Greg. And uh, until next time, guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this has been In-Depth Film. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye.